Support for the Double Dome podcast comes from the Sorrell College of Business at Troy University, where students become geeks, an acronym for globally aware, ethical decision makers, engaged with the business community, knowledgeable to compete, and successful in business and life. More information at troy.edu slash business. From the Sorrell College of Business, I'm Judson Edwards, and this is The Double Dome, a Business Geeks podcast from Troy University. Welcome to the first episode of The Double Dome, and if you're scratching your head, or your dome as we like to call it, over the name of this podcast, stay tuned and I'll explain. First, for the people listening that I haven't met, I'm the Dean of the Sorrell College of Business at Troy University. And if you haven't been able to visit us at Troy University, you are always welcome, no matter how you visit us, either online or in person. At the Sorrell College of Business, we teach our students to be geeks. Yeah, you heard that right, geeks. And here's why. Geeks is an acronym for globally aware, engaged with the business community, ethical decision makers, knowledgeable to compete, and ultimately successful. So if you become a geek at Troy University, then we know we're doing our job. I'm telling you all this because I want you to understand what we'll be talking about on this podcast. You know, it's our goal to bring you interesting conversation about the business world and the community in general. We hope that you'll listen and engage your geeky curiosity, and we'll have a great time. Now about the name Double Dome. Webster's defines Double Dome as, you guessed it, a geek, or an intellectual. That's part of the reason we call this show the Double Dome. But as most of you have heard, two heads are always better than one. And for a lot of these business issues we discuss, you'll really need it. So let's put our heads together and get going. My first guest is Jeff Curvin, the president and CEO of Troy Bank & Trust. Jeff is a graduate of Sorrell College, has been able to take what he learned and apply it to a very successful and trusted regional institution. When we met in the studio, I asked Jeff to start at the beginning of his story. Okay, I was uh, born here in Troy. Troy's home to me, been here since back since 1970. Was born here, as I said, so in the south where you're born is where you're from, so <laughs> I'm from Troy. Uh, and then I went to uh, Pike Liberal Arts School, graduated in 1981. Uh, then enrolled in Troy and, and uh, studied here for four years, graduated in 1985 with a, a degree in business. And so your parents were really involved with, with Pike Liberal Arts School, right? And that's correct. They were in the first group of uh, employees there after having taught 10 years in the school system in, uh, in Florida and Okaloosa County, then had an opportunity to move back and then both worked at Pike Liberal Arts. They were both in the original group that were hired and worked there for 31 years until they retired. And I have to I have to bring up Janet and uh, and talk about her, yes. uh, your wife and her relationship to the university. I know she worked here for many years. My in the wife of graduated from Troy with uh, her undergraduate degree and a master's degree, and then worked here until she retired uh, uh, some time ago. And I have to bring up Joel too. My son just graduated with his master's degree and undergraduate degree uh, from Troy in uh, December, and so he's now in the working world, contributing to society, but uh, he had a good experience here, he really did. Let's talk a little bit about your college experience right. of, of 
one of the things I like to talk to people about are faculty members that influenced them during their time here at Troy and uh, just how you kind of got into the banking business. Well, the college experience for me was very good. I hate to single out any particular group because <laughs> I'll get in trouble, but I had a wonderful experience in college. You know, once you graduate from high school, you start college, you're kind of recreating yourself and start all over again, and that could be a, a great experience. That could be challenging. So in the business uh, school of business, two main ones, I've got to give credit to uh, Gene Sherman, you know, in the <laughs> accounting. Everybody has to go through that a little bit, but he he really showed me that it was possible to master, or not master, but learn a lot about a subject that's very difficult, not in your core, because uh, I was not an accounting major. But I had a great deal of respect for him as a teacher. He just he felt that his job was to educate you, and if that didn't happen, he had failed. So there's not many teachers out there that are like that, and you have a great respect for them, and that respect only grows as you get older, and you can appreciate that. But I'd, I'd have to single out um, uh, Fred Kane, who was my... Uh, he was my advisor uh, and did a fantastic job as an advisor, and I've been able to thank him, too, for that. Uh, I, there were a lot of horror stories of people getting around to their senior year, not having classes and not being able to graduate. Uh, he set me uh, down on a pathway when I was a sophomore, so I knew almost exactly what I needed to do to graduate on time. Well, let's let's move. Uh, after you finish, Troy, just talk about another as we were talking the other day of your long career in banking, you've had 36 years That's in banking, right. and you've been with Troy Bank and Trust, 24 of those, and 11 as CEO. Um, I guess maybe talk a little about how you got into the field of banking and then kind of moving up through that time. I, I actually had a, uh, a contact. I knew uh, the person that was the uh, president of the then Pike County Bank, which is a small community bank here, and I just out of, uh, of, I guess, divine intervention or luck, I went in the bank on a Saturday morning, and he stopped me and asked me if I had graduated. Uh, and I told him that I had, and he asked if I had decided what I wanted to do, and I told him I had not. Uh, and he quizzed me a little bit, a little bit more and wanted to make sure I was interested in staying in the area. And I told him that I was, and he said, well, come in on Monday and talk with me about a, a position. So I went back on Monday started just a few days later on July the 1st and uh, started as a uh, loan department employee, uh, which in those days for a bank of that small size, uh, we did teller work, uh, paying and uh, receiving payments on loans and balancing loans and doing a lot of filing and uh, things particularly associated with loans, but it was a clerical position. It was a very low-level, entry-level position. Uh, and a lot of people don't like to do that. I didn't really like it at the time, but looking back on that, that was one of those formative things. You have a better understanding of how the whole operation works. And so I started and, uh, and then just basically worked my way up and uh, eventually got into a collecting position and then subsequently into a lending position and, and moved on from there. One of the things we, I think, as academics try to understand is, you know, what that first job coming out of being prepared for that first job, uh, what were some of the things that your background and upbringing, of course, makes a difference, and then your academic background, but what was, what kind of prepared do you think to, to kind of enter that first job? Yeah, I, th I think uh, I would answer that this way. Uh, obviously, work ethic is important, and it's still uh, today is even more important. You know, showing up is half the, the job, and uh, uh, that's important. Showing up on, up on time and ready to work and then working while you're there 
Uh, but uh, I think probably some of the surprises that confronted me from going from the theoretical and somewhat practical but more theoretical side of it to an actual uh, day-to-day practical application of things, I was really surprised by, and this may sound crazy, but how much math there was involved in that day-to-day balancing and doing basic math. It was not complex math. It was adding, subtracting, and balancing, which is critical. So the accounting side had prepared you for that. Also was just really surprised at the amount of reading that you have to do of uh, technical material, of insurance policies and mortgages and things like that. That was a that was an eye opener for me. When you reflect back on on your time as CEO, the past eleven years, what what are some of the major major events or things that happened during that time that really, you know, that you was a challenge for you? And yeah, that, there's no there? no doubt. I think all of us that lived through it uh, will say that the financial crisis of two thousand eight, nine, ten, and went on and on. That certainly was uh, uh, that was our. Uh, almost depression of our era. We'll reflect back on that as it uh, turned out. It was just a really difficult time and it just lasted for so long. And, um, you know, overall for us, uh, we felt like we were right on the economics, uh, but you just, uh, if you're in that ocean and the storm hits, you're going to get tossed about. And so it was really, that, that was the frustrating part is that you could be right on most all of the things, but still the the turmoil that you had to go through because the whole industry and all the uh, and people were out of work uh, uh, through no fault of their own. There was just a lot of things that uh, you had to deal with that were not of your own making. And so we've kind of developed the philosophy that the things that we could control, we did a good job of controlling, but the unknown and the things we couldn't control were the things that really gave us the most problems. And, and that, that'll be, it will happen again. You know, when I early in my banking career, I got in on banking on the tail end. If you look back at the timeline, I got in on the tail end of the last banking crisis in the uh, S&L crisis. Most people don't remember all the savings and loans, but uh, that was still ongoing when I started my banking career. And uh, so I got a little bit of taste of that, but I was right in the prime of my career when the financial crisis of 2008-9 hit, and that was uh, that was a big thing. You know, one of the areas I know we've talked about before just privately is this whole idea of regulatory compliance. Of It, it just seems like that it is just uh, everywhere you look in the banking side now. What, is, what does that mean for a bank like Troy Bank and Trust to, to have to deal with that burden of well, regulatory compliance? For all banks, uh, our size and smaller, uh, it is a tremendous uh, undertaking. Uh, when I started in my banking career, I remember when uh, they uh, uh, mandated at the regulatory level that each bank had to have a, a compliance officer designated. At that time, everybody kind of picked someone and said, okay, you're going to be the compliance officer as well as this and this and this. Uh, now, a bank to operate uh, successfully and properly and with minimal risk would uh, need to have probably two or three full-time people dealing with compliance-related things at a minimum. A bank our size, uh, we're about one, about the eighth largest bank in the state of Alabama right now. Uh, and we have, uh, if you break it down from a compliance standpoint, things that are true compliance, we probably have five or six people in the compliance-related areas. And um, that's barely enough to keep up with all of the um, the the regulations, 
monitoring for illegal activity through your checking account, which the burdens put on the banks to do most of that. Uh, and most of the time the, these customers will open accounts, you're supposed to determine what their, their purpose is to make sure no one's laundering money. But once the accounts are open, you still have to monitor that activity to make sure that there's no gambling activity, there's no illicit activity that's going on. And uh, that is a massive undertaking for any bank, especially uh, a community bank. And that, that's only going to get worse. Um, there's no question about that. As far as the federal regulators go, I mean, what, what changes did you see in terms of like FDIC and some of those uh, federal agencies after the crisis? The, uh, I would say the enforcement of um, uh, existing uh, regulations surrounding lending, because that was a lending-related crisis, uh, and what we saw was not a tremendous amount, uh, if you're honest about it, of new regulations but it was enforcement of existing regulations. For example, uh, you, you're limited in how many loans in certain categories that you can make. Construction lending is, con is considered to be a more risky uh, type of lending. And uh, limits that were guides to go by prior to 2008 became cliffs off of which you fell in 2008 and 9 uh, and after, and those are much more closely monitored. And I think the the takeaway there is not uh, to fault the regulators. The takeaway there is everybody kind of got complacent. Things were good. Everything was going along fine. You know now why those limits were set. There were smart people that set those based on a long history of problems, and those were designed to be uh, stopgap measures and warning signs. Don't go beyond here because you're taking undue risk. And that's what I saw was enforcement rather than just a, a, a new batch of regulation. Now, the regulations that have come along have been related to technology and money laundering. You've seen that tremendously as, the, as our society has changed. And the, obviously, people are trying to uh, uh, launder their money if they can. And so the banks have the money, so they're going to come there. And so the burden falls on the banks. And that's where a lot of your compliance comes in. Uh, when you start looking into the future as a CEO and leader of this, of uh, Troy Bank, you know what what's the one thing that keeps you up at night when you think about going forward? What what concerns you the most? Very easy, and uh, it's in the news yesterday and this weekend. It's cybersecurity in the banking world because as you go digital, there there are thieves out there. Once upon a time, I remember vividly being the security officer at the bank, and that meant having robbery uh, preparation, having plans for what you would do, and checking the cameras and checking your alarms. Now the criminals are in there in somebody's basement in, uh, in another country, and they're, they're out to hold your information hostage and uh, trying very hard to get in through the computers of your customers to uh, get the money out of the bank. And that is difficult because... It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you only have to be wrong one time. Uh, you, you can't leave a door or a window open without having a problem, and that is the thing that keeps me awake at night. It's very frightening, very frightening. Let's, let's kind of wrap up here, and, and uh, one of the things that we're going to do uh, with our new show is, uh, is, is you have a relationship with the college. One of the things that, that kind of drives our mission is our Geeks program, which we uh, initiated gosh, about 2013 or 14, to help us in terms of our culture and driving what we do. I mean, our Geeks program is, is essentially taking uh, the, the values that we want our graduates to have when they finish here at Troy in the business school 
And um, our GEEKS is just a, an acronym for uh, being globally aware, ethical decision makers, engage with the business community, knowledgeable, and in the end, successful. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions that relate right. to each of those categories, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, when you think about global awareness, the global economy, and you're, we're kind of directing this for students, uh, you know, where, where do you think students should focus their attention in terms of that, that global perspective? Yeah, that, that was one thing that I was very shocked uh, uh, about when I first got into banking. Small bank, small community. Uh, I'll be dealing exclusively with people who are from uh, this area and that I'll know. I have customers from I don't know how many countries currently, and I've, some of the earliest customers I had, India, uh, uh, Pakistan, uh, Venezuela, uh, Argentina, uh, all, all over the world. So immediately you're forced to deal with people. Korea, we've got uh, you know, the South Korean uh, contingent here, Vietnam. Uh, and so you're going to be dealing with people. We, 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 we do have a world economy. Uh, we are uh, a, a destination point in this country. Uh, people are desirous of coming here, and a lot of them find their way to Troy, uh, Alabama. So you're going to be dealing with people from all over the, the world uh, and you've got to be able to understand uh, something about their culture, uh, to build a bond, and to be able to learn how they operate. And if you don't, you, you just do not have that connection that you can establish. So it doesn't matter if you're going to go in a global direction and work overseas. It's here. Uh, I mean, the countries represented in the local business community and even Troy, Alabama, is uh, really mind-boggling if you sit down and think about it. Unless I, I know that. That's our hope here is that that we can give that experience to students that you know because we do have a lot of international students uh, and study abroad opportunities that it's just so critical for them to be successful I in agree. any position to have you know one that that I, that I think is so important when you look at your your ethical or core beliefs, this is one of those areas where you talk about trying to teach ethics I, you know you you really are ethics mm -hmm. as a person um, and right. so when you think about, um, being a CEO, being a dad, husband, you know, what, what's kind of the core, your core belief that kind of drives uh, your, your decision-making and, and uh, what you do with well, you have to be You have to be of good character. In the banking world, that's one of the things you're trying to make a decision. Is this person going to do the right thing? Are they going to repay you if you loan them money or they're going to conduct their business with their checking account in a professional manner. There's a lot of ways that you can lose money in our world. But when you're dealing with businesses, they want to know the same thing about you. Is this a person that I can trust? It is all relationship, as we say at, at Troy Bank and Trust. And if they don't believe that you're ethical, you're uh, you're out of the business. And that that is uh, definitely true. And the word uh, will spread about whether you're trustworthy or not, whether you're ethical or not. It, it spreads in business, it spreads in banking, and you will have a reputation. And it is very, it, it can be destroyed with one deal, and it takes many, many deals to build it up. You know, another area that is the idea of engagement, and we talk about engagement from our Geeks program, uh, really about giving our students exposure to the real world of business. Where, you know, again, having faculty members that's worked in, in the business field that's instructing the students. If you were going to give some students advice about getting real-world experience, what would you what would you tell? 
I think involve yourself in as many different uh, things as you possibly can. Looking back on my college career, that was a, a failure of mine. I was not in, involved as I should have been, and I suffered from that. But you have to be involved as a student uh, in social organizations, uh, civic clubs, in the community, doing volunteer work and things. And the more people that you can come in contact with, the more circles of influence that you can have, the better off you're going to be. And from each of those experiences, you'll learn something. You may not be the best at serving on this particular board or in this volunteer capacity this time, but you'll learn something for the next time and the next time. And it's all a building process. That looks good to someone on a resume. They want to see how involved you really are. Most people are going to come out and they're going to have good grades, they're going to have a degree, but you look for those that can distinguish themselves from what have they done with their personal time. And that's a, that, that is very important. And that will be the same that's expected of you when you're in the business world. They want to see how involved you are with uh, uh, charitable organizations, civic uh, clubs, and other things. You just have to be involved church and other whatever it might be you've got to get involved with as many things as possible and, and that's what helps the local communities no matter how large or how small that's what makes them that's what makes them tick and if you're not engaged uh, people will know who the the ones that will work are and they'll find you out so if you're being asked to serve on a lot of things that's a good sign that you've got a good reputation uh, but you'd rather be that that person the one that he, he or she doesn't do anything well, that's that's really good advice so when you think about the knowledge, a field of study or a, a subject matter that you were going to advise students to educate themselves up on, what would that be? Um, as you're in school, obviously, to, uh, if you have an idea of what you want to do, you hopefully have chosen a, a course of study that's going to complement that. Again, I think being engaged in the local community, you're going to learn something from each volunteer uh, uh, job that you do. Uh, in school, <clears throat> I think grammar is very important. Communication skills are, uh, are critical. We are seeing a trend with the younger people that they're very adept at technology, but they're not as good at the face-to-face -face, uh, communication. Uh, regardless of COVID, I'm in the camp that thinks that uh, we're still going to socialize, we're still going to talk to one another. It may be on a Zoom call, it may be on the telephone, it may be uh, fewer in-person meetings, but you have to be able to communicate and, and establish a rapport with someone, whether you're selling, whether you're doing whatever, you're always selling yourself. To be successful, if you were going to give students just one, one piece of advice for success, uh, what would that be? Discipline. I think discipline sums up uh, working hard. As we said early on, show up on time, ready to work, and be willing to uh, volunteer to do things and make mistakes and but learn from it and move forward if you will show up and you will work hard and you uh, move forward trying to whether you whether you're right or wrong make mistakes or not if you move forward and you have the discipline to show up the next day uh, you'll be a winner no question about it well Jeff I, I appreciate you taking the time to be the inaugural <laughs> guest on the show but thank you. it also gives me a chance to, to thank you for uh, for what the time that you put into the business school uh, on your own in terms of service on the board, but you know also the importance Troy Bank and Trust means to this community and to this university, and um, you know they they have always really just been behind the university whether it's athletics, you know and and their donation to help us start the entrepreneurship program and center downtown, um, it, it's truly a, a valued partnership and I I can tell you. Uh, there's there's so many of our our faculty that that bank there and um, it's really a part of the fabric of this community and the fabric of this university and I just I appreciate 
you know, that continued partnership that, that you provide to us, but really the bank as a whole. We've got a lot of Troy graduates that work out there, a lot of business mm-hmm. school graduates. and A lot of interns. Yeah, a lot of interns. Our intern program has been successful, and uh, but I think that, that that's it, it's mutually beneficial to the bank Great and to the university. and really and, and I really appreciate you being here, and, and hopefully we'll get you back again. Uh, thank you very much. All right, thank you, Jeff. That was Jeff Curvin, President and CEO of Troy Bank and Trust, and the very first guest here on the Double Dome Podcast. We hope that you'll subscribe to the Double Dome wherever you get your podcast, and give us a review in the iTunes store. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to tell your friends and feel free to share through social media. The Double Dome is a production of the Sorrell College of Business and Troy University. This episode was produced in the studios of Troy Public Radio by Kyle Gassett with help from Joey Hudson. So until the next time we put our heads together, I'm Judson Edwards, and this is The Double Dome. Support for The Double Dome podcast comes from the Sorrell College of Business at Troy University, where students become geeks, an acronym for globally aware, ethical decision makers, engaged with the business community, knowledgeable to compete, and successful in business and life. More information at troy.edu business.